America. My name is Ami Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And I just want to get the argument out there real quickly about the problem with the secret ballot. With the secret ballot, the collective body doesn't actually make a decision. What happens is that people siloed off make private decisions, and then those private decisions are aggregated. There is no collective uh, decision that's made because you're not accountable. Now, people say that, you know, my vote is my own. My vote is private. I shouldn't uh, have to do it publicly. And that is not the truth, right? So your vote is you discharging a public responsibility, the Office of Citizenship. Louis Brandeis famously said that the Office of Citizen is the most important office in the land. It is an office, much like uh, you know, Congress is an office and our elected officials are office. The office of a citizen, excuse me, is an office and it's a very important one and you should discharge your public responsibility. It's an individual discharge of a public responsibility. It's not a private dis- responsibility. It's not like deciding what you're going to eat. It's not about you. It's actually about us. You're, and we're talking about uh, like securing the conditions for the public administration of justice. So yes, you should be able to be held accountable for your vote, right? There are only a very few like democratic procedures that don't call for people to actually say I or nay and like be the person who voted, right? We don't want our senators voting for by secret ballot. That'd be ridiculous, right? How are we going to hold them accountable? How are we even going to know who they are? And how are, yeah, so the, and um, so the idea is that secret ballots are good because they keep people from Uh, being intimidated, they get rid of voter intimidation. And voter intimidation is real and um, it's a problem. But here's the deal. If voter intimidation is that big of a problem, that means you don't really have the conditions for democracy. Now, do you? I'll say that again. If voter intimidation is a huge problem, you don't have the social and political conditions of democracy. And where they get around that is a place like Iowa, where Iowa has caucuses. Iowa has caucuses for the presidential primary, which means you go to your local town gym and they, you know, tape off different sections. And if you um, support one candidate, you go to one section. And if you support another candidate, you go to another section. And then there's a first uh, round. And then afterwards, people talk to each other. And then there's a reshuffle. And, and then at the end, they count all of the people and you stand where you are. And then that's, that's it. And that's how you voted, uh, literally with your feet. And that is, and, and you voted publicly because you actually discharged your public responsibility publicly, right? So once again, citizenship is not a private issue. It is a public issue about the public good. We all have to live with the person you vote for, right? Um, so we're, ta- we're still talking about a public issue. It is the individual discharge of a public issue, right? So nobody can make you vote for someone that, um, you know, there's no corporate voting, but it is still a public discharge. So like you should be accountable. And people say like, well, you know, I don't want my voter record being out in the street and people holding me accountable for who I voted for, you know, 25 years ago. Well, why not? Why not? Everyone's voting record should be completely public. And, you know, that's just how it is. Um, And if you're worried about targeting and retaliation, that just means you live in a a sphere of society that's not adequate to, um, that's not adequate to the conditions of democracy. Right? And we need to address that rather than cover 
cover it with a secret ballot. Now, one reason. Uh, so I'm a fan of the, the, the primary, the caucus mode. Now, one people, one reason that black people think that caucuses are racist is because America's racist and caucuses would be racist insofar as black people don't want to vote in front of racist whites because the whites will retaliate and that's a problem. But that means black people don't live under the conditions of a functional democracy. Right. So when you hear black people in southern states saying that caucuses are racist and they don't they would they like the, the secret ballot primary system, it's because they are not they don't have the secure conditions of of a democracy. White people will vote in front of anybody. They don't care. Yeah, because they're in power. Right. So if you're actually economically and socially secure, you don't care who knows your vote. It's the vulnerable people who care who know their vote. And that's, we shouldn't, but we can't pretend that people can be vulnerable and be equal democratic citizen. Does that make sense? So, um, discharging the office of citizen through the vote is a public responsibility. And it's about, and the public administration calls for it to be done publicly. Right? Um, it's not a private issue. And if, we don't have the conditions to secure everyone against retaliation and intimidation. That means we have others. We don't have the social and family or political conditions for a democracy. So we have a fake democracy. And that's what takes me to the South Carolina primary, because that's a great example of a fake democracy. South Carolina, black people like the black, the Democratic Party in South Carolina, they don't have statewide power. There are four. There are seven congressional districts in South Carolina. Only one of them is run by a Democrat because that's how the, the congressional districts are rigged. And that Democrat is Jim Clyburn. So Jim Clyburn functionally owns the state. So you have South Carolina blacks. Mind you, a population that has never been served by the state and federal government. <laughs> like the population that was abandoned by the, the by reconstruction and like left destitute by the Freedmen's Bureau and the Freedmen's Bank. You have that population deciding, um, having a prominent place in deciding the Democratic um, uh, nominee, right? A population that has never been served by government and has only ever used government for, for defense. What slim little bit of government power they have for defense against the clan that functionally runs their state. Right? You have a state with no political infrastructure because they never had to actually have a political infrastructure because they don't have any real political power. Black people in South Carolina do not have any political power at the state level. So there is no political communications infrastructure. There is no independent check on Jim Clyburn's power. Like you have people who use the vote purely for symbolism because that's all the vote is symbolic. People say like, well, you know, South Carolinans, they would have voted for Hillary Clinton over Barack Obama in 2008 until Barack Obama won Iowa. Maybe. I don't think so. Some polls say that. I don't like having lived in the South. My mom's from South Carolina. These people were not going to vote against the black guy. Any black person with a viable chance is going to get those votes because it's only about symbolism because they don't expect government to do anything. Jim Clyburn's told them for the last 30 years, government's not going to do anything. All they see is government not doing anything. Government is for other people. The only thing black people can get from government in South Carolina is symbolism. So they would have voted for symbolism. This, and I'm going to give you my controversial take that 
it's just right. Although, yeah, Kamala Harris dropped out before South Carolina, not because she was going to lose South Carolina, um, which, you know, arguably she was. She's not a great politician, so she wasn't polling great anyway. But she is a viable black woman from an HBCU and a Divine Nine sorority. So I don't think she was going to necessarily get slaughtered in South Carolina. I think she was going to do fine. And if Kamala Harris does fine, gets 15%, 20%, Joe Biden is done. Because remember, Joe Biden lost the first handful. or like, He got kind of smoked uh, in the first few primaries. Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, Biden does like, you know, so-so in all three of them. It was South Carolina that brought him back from the dead. And if Kamala Harris is on the ballot in South Carolina, Joe Biden doesn't crush everyone. He might still win. He might eke out a victory being Obama's, you know, vice president. But nobody voted for Joe on policy. They voted for Joe because he was Obama's vice president. They voted for Joe because they thought maybe he could beat Trump. They voted for Joe because they thought maybe other white people would vote for Joe. But if Kamala Harris is on the ballot, they're going to vote for the sister because, you know, they're voting for symbolism anyway. They're not, black women are not going to, black women in South Carolina, a state with no functional government, are not going to go to the polls and not vote for the black woman with a viable chance. With a somewhat, any like, like on paper, she's, a, she's got a viable chance. So they're not going to not vote for her. I'm telling you the truth. This is just what I know. Because they don't expect her to actually do anything in government except be a black woman, which she would have done. She would have done. She might have done a line down the, uh, the, the, the ballot, whatever. Like, they, they wanted a picture to put on the wall they wanted a, a vote a lot of for the same reason a lot of white women voted for Hillary Clinton. They didn't actually expect her to do anything. They just kind of wanted uh, you know to wear a pantsuit into the voting booth. But uh, so black people would have voted for Kamala Harris, like they voted for Barack Obama. Maybe not in such the numbers, but they would have voted for Kamala Harris um, in a way that outstripped her polls, which would have killed Joe Biden. And we might be looking at, uh, Bernie Sanders. And so there are a few, there are two reasons why South Carolina, why corporate Democrats love the idea of South Carolina going first. One, there's no independent check against a corporate democratic power. There's no like grassroots labor movement. That's going to expect something from democratic party. There, there is no uh, communications infrastructure, um, between rural towns in South Carolina, that's going to actually like hold candidates, the Democratic, hold Clyburn um, uh, uh, accountable. There aren't um, other elected officials. So you have centralized power in the one district that Clyburn owns that pretty much dictates the Democratic Party and a group of people without any independent infrastructure for self-determination or autonomy. Um, these are black Democrats without the communications infrastructure or media infrastructure. So Clyburn decides and the corporate media decides um, and like no experience in actual statewide governance. Clyburn decides and corporate media decides who the, who, who's, who's going to pick, who's going to be the pick. And the corporate Dems love that. The corporate Dems love that. So, so what you have is, um, like I said, a people who have never actually gotten anything out of government except disappointment and lies 
deciding the the trajectory of the Democratic Party and only will ever seek symbolism because that's the only thing that's guaranteed and it's immediate. It's completely superficial because everything past the surface of 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 government for these people has just been an abject failure. Then deciding the the shape of the Democratic Party and the structure and the and the direction of the Democratic Party. So that's a disaster, right? And so um, there's a reason why I, the caucus system will work in Iowa, but it won't work in South Carolina. Iowans are, you know, mostly homogenous whites who aren't scared of, of taking off their bosses and don't have to deal with a history of terrorism. Ah, let me guess. You want your burger? Yeah. You want to say hi to the people? Hey, hey. Hi, hi. All right. I'll be up in a second once I finish this show. Okay. 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 Say, wait to the camera. Say, ah, beautiful people. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, I'll see you soon. Daughter's come home. I got to go do uh, one of my favorite jobs. The office of the citizen might be the uh, most important office in the land. The office of deity is one of the most important offices in this household. So I'm about to go do that. Make sure my kids get fed. And uh, um, so South Carolina has two things that corporate Democrats like. That it has no independent infrastructure to actually thwart their will. No independent media. There's no use to putting money. Um, there's no organized money for Democrats in South Carolina because there's no use for it because they don't have any state power and they can't get any state power because the whites run the state. All right. And then also, um, it has a people, a population who's not used, who's who's only looks for symbolism in government. Because that's all that they could actually be assured of because that's immediate. Right? And so Biden looks at that and says, that's perfect. All right, the government, these people will not punish me for not ever promising them anything because they don't think government's going to do anything for them anyway. Awesome. Uh, let's make them the, uh, the, the guiding force in the Democratic Party. It'll be run. So the South Carolina Democratic primary is going to be run out of Washington, D.C. and the Hamptons. And that's how the Democratic Party likes them. As opposed to Iowa, where you have to actually promise them then things and then they'll get ticked if you don't deliver. Right. Um, and so that just means that we don't have if you're scared to vote publicly, that means you don't have the social and political conditions for democracy. You're living in a sham democracy. There is no collective action. Just imagine if our public officers discharged their um, offices um, privately. Right? That would be, it would be, it would be a sham. It would be a hollow democracy because it abstracts the decision from the person making the decision. And you, you got to be very careful when you start abstracting speech from the speaker because then corporate speech looks like personal speech and you start holding corporations, uh, uh, protecting corporations under the First Amendment, but, which was organized for personal speech. And so it comes from a person, right? So this idea that candidates have to say, I'm blank and blank, um, and I approve of this message before their message, but voters don't have to actually stand by their vote. What that does is abstract the, con the content of the vote, the content of the personhood from the vote, right? So you get this kind of hollow, hollow sham democracy when nobody's actually accountable for the collective action that was decided.
right? And no one has actually realized through the collective action that is decided, right? And if you're scared of voter intimidation, that just means you don't have the social and political conditions for democracy, which means we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that, right? Because the people in Iowa, the people in Kansas, they can do it because they do have the social and political conditions for democracy. You know, it's just, and I do think that black voter turnout would plummet under a secret ballot. I mean, if we get rid of the secret ballot, it's because we're not free. And so we need to figure out what it means to secure black people so that they can actually participate. And so, we, so a state like South Carolina can be a functional state in terms of democratic processes. All right. By the way, if you like anything I'm saying, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month um, because um, somebody said, "Why didn't South Carolina get behind Tom Steiner, who talked about reparations?" Of oh, they didn't get behind Tom Steiner because they didn't one, they didn't kind of know Tom Steiner. Also, these are people. Like the last big federal government program that was rolled down there was the Freedmen's Bank. And, you know, my grandma's from South Carolina. She still kept, until the day she died, she still kept her money in the King James Bible. And I think it's because her great grandmother, uh, like, got her money stolen from the, by the Freedmen's Bank. She, like, you know, did what the federal government told her and saved her money and put it in the Freedmen's Bank. And then poof, banquet, banquet bye bye. So, like, my grandmother kept her money in the, the King James Bible where it belonged because you can't really trust government to do anything. So when you talk about reparations to people in South Carolina, like they're going to be like, no, it'll never happen. And no small number of them think, well, if it does happen, these whites have guns and they will clan up and like, they'll start instituting death camps. Right? But, you know, people, and I had a video about this last time about how, People like to pretend that Nazis were uniquely evil and Hitler was a uniquely bad guy. But actually, you know, Nazis learned how to codify miscegenation and, you know, some blood citizenship laws by looking at the laws in the South. Right. And so they're kind of our cousins, just a different variety. They're, they're American, American racism with a, Southern, with a German accent is what the Nazis are. And, you know, in terms of genocidal maniacs, I like Hitler's not any worse than Andrew Jackson. So, um, like black people are worried about, well, if we actually do get reparations, what if the whites come back with like guns and they or take over state, the state government and, and start instituting death camps. Cause right now white people are allowed to be nice to black people because black people don't own anything. They don't have to share power with them. <laughs> like really at a meaningful level white people don't have to ship our we don't own assets we like how much commercial land do you think is owned by black people in south carolina commercial land right um so like we don't own anything so they don't have to share power with us so it's easy to be nice it's easy to be nice now imagine if we were in the same position as the jews were in 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 Germany, where we had disproportionate influence in finance and a disproportionate influence in academics and culture, the whites would get resentful, and in South Carolina, there would, like, there would be some fighting, um, and and we would start. I, I think they would bring out the camps, right? Or they, there's a chance that they would bring out the camps, right? So, like, white people, is, uh, black people, are so cynical about South Carolina whites 
and are especially very worried about someone who's overly naive about the racism of South Carolina whites, that when someone goes there and talks about reparations, they'll be like, that's cute. You don't know these whites, right? So they actually don't think that government's going to secure them justice. Government is a defensive measure only. And um, even like the vote is mostly for the jury protection. It's not so much because you actually think you're going to govern. If you're black in South Carolina, you've given up like actually govern. Um, you just kind of want to keep the government from eminent domaining your land, maybe. Uh, so, so that's why reparations talk doesn't work with, it's not that they don't support reparations. They just don't think that it's going to happen because they know the whites, right? So, and, it's, and if you go in, they looked at people like Steiner and, 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 uh, and Mary, uh, and Bernie, like we look at Marianne Williamson. Right, like nice, but like a little bit too, like you don't know how evil these other people are. Right, so that's why reparations talk. So it doesn't work. It, it's just a cynical electorate that's never actually seen federal government work. And it's not they're overly cynical, they're like appropriately cynical. If you go in there assuming that you'll have more than like 30% white allies to get any of these programs done, and that it'll be done without like mowing down a few whites, then you're not serious about getting it done. And that's why we lost, that's why Reconstruction ended, right? Like the North wasn't serious about mowing down enough whites to make sure that black people like were, were secured in their rights. And so they abandoned black, the black South to the Klan. And that is you know, a short history of the United States Southern race relation. Um, so, yeah, so you have a cynical, you have a cynical population that doesn't actually think the federal government's going to do anything for them. Wouldn't, wouldn't vote publicly because they were scared of retaliation because they don't actually have the conditions for being independent citizens people who actually have the conditions for being independent citizens don't care who knows who, how they voted. Don't, don't, they don't care. But if you're vulnerable, you're going to be like, well, you know, my white boss might not like that. And uh, like, it's good to know that in the abstract, black people um, vote for these people, vote for this party, but I don't want my name tied to it because I might come down and haunt me. So like you have all of these things you have to do if you're not really free. If you're free, you just say like, I support blank and blank, and I don't care who knows. And if you make a mistake and you're free, you're like, well, I made a mistake. Eight years ago, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I don't care. Screw it. <laughs> and if you don't like that, screw off. Right? That's the attitude free people take. And that's one of the reasons why Trump was one of the freer people um, in, the, in, in politics when he is in politics, right? Because he's got the independent security to say like, well, this is what I think, and if you don't like that, you're fake news, screw off. Right? And that kind of, that kind of freedom is nice to see expressed in a body, right? There's a little bit of, a little bit of, Bernie had a little bit of that too. But the, even if the, the content of their politics isn't um, perfect, there was a quality of freedom that like they could, they would actually not risk being, they didn't have to risk being unpopular for what they thought was right. Whereas to be black in South Carolina, you know, you risk a lot of things, not just your job, your family, your, your, you know, your life, uh, if you're unpopular with the whites, 
who own everything. Um, it's yeah, it's just, so you don't have the social and economic conditions for freedom, and so you can't be politically free. Whereas in a caucus state, and if you're fine with caucuses, that means you're actually politically free because you're not worried about who sees you vote. Right. So the discharging the public responsibility of citizenship in private actually screws up the conditions for collective action. And uh, because we don't actually act, it's just people acting serially, like in, in silos, like away from other people. It's not a, a feeling of we did this. It's um, some vague atomized individuals might have done it, maybe. It, 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 it separates the voter from the vote. Um, uh, in the same way that having a corporation speak versus having a person speak, the person is like, that speech is actually political speech, but when the corporation does it, it's, it's, it's abstracted in a way that's, that removes the concrete content of personhood from, from, from the speech, right? So we need to not remove the vote from the person if we want that vote to be a meaningful part of collective action. And we need to understand that discharging the responsibility of the office of citizenship is an individual responsibility, but it's not a private one. It's a public individual responsibility. Right? And if you're not up to that public individual responsibility, we have to ask why. Is it because you live under oppressive conditions? Probably. Because if you are scared of intimidation, that means you don't have the independent, you don't have the security um, to actually be political. Right? So, if you appreciate what I'm saying, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com. Kick in $5, $15, $50 a month. I'm going to go cook my daughter some food, hang out. Uh, she's got a Christmas concert, this uh, holiday concert this evening. So, that's going to be kind of exciting. So, I'm going to go do that. And I will talk to you next week. Peace. <laughs>